it comes, but once a year, each tick of the clock, the time draws near, where there'll be hope for every team in the National Football League. Kuiper and Box Bomb paved the way, predicting the name Kamish would say, drastics watching every day. Seven rounds of fun. Whether it's Mr. Irrelevant or number one. It's the countdown to the NFL Draft. Welcome to the DC Podcast brought to you by DraftCountdown.com. I'm Scott Wright. In this episode, I'm going to take a look at your bowl and uh, day three is kind of when things are already starting to wrap up. The week goes really quick. And, in fact, by Thursday, a lot of the scouts have already gone home. They don't stick around for the game. Uh, they never really have. Uh, they definitely consider the practices to be more important personally. I think there's something to be gathered from the game and to see who steps up uh, when the lights come on and in the game action. So I- I'm not as quick to write off the actual game as some are, but – no question, the, the actual practices during the week are the showcase of the Senior Bowl. And, and some of these guys I'm going to talk about today, it's kind of a uh, hitting on some players that maybe I had neglected to talk about earlier in the week. It's not necessarily somebody who just absolutely blew up on Thursday. And some of the, the guys that I talked about in past shows, they're still doing very, very well. Uh, Braxton Miller, uh, Noah Spence, guys like that. Some, some news, uh, Louisville defensive tackle Sheldon Rankins, who was dominating the week was having maybe the most impressive performance of any player in attendance unfortunately suffered an injury so he had to drop out but let's start there let's start with the south because he was replaced on the roster by Javon Hargrave defensive tackle out of South Carolina State who was one of the stars of the east-west shrine game maybe helped himself as much as any prospect there uh, that week and and give Hargrave a lot of credit he did not have to come to the senior bowl he could have especially midweek he could have just rested on what he did at the east-west shrine and 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 and, and ended on a positive note but he came into mobile here on a short week and uh, had a good practice on Thursday and we'll see what he can do in the game but uh, during this pre-draft process so far he's already showed exactly why he was so incredibly productive albeit against a lower level of competition for his career, 63 tackles for a loss and 37 sacks. That's just insane production for an interior defensive lineman. I don't care who you're going up against. And I think he's shown uh, at the East-West Shrine game and now at the Senior Bowl that athleticism and quickness that allow him to make all of those splash plays from of the from the interior. So uh, this is a, a really strong group of defensive tackles. It's one of the strongest positions in the 2016 NFL draft. So there's going to be a lot of competition for those spots on day two, day three. But uh, Hargrave has already put himself in contention uh, for one of those uh, spots. And uh, if nothing else, he's going to go very early on day three, if he even lasts that long. Continuing with the South, uh, a guy I highlighted in my preview show was Glenn Gronkowski from Kansas State. And the reason I highlighted him was because after playing fullback in college, he was going to play tight end at the Senior Bowl. And uh, I was interested to see how that conversion was going to work because he was basically used like a traditional fullback in college, at least in the games I watched. Uh, in, in I think the first two games I watched, watched uh, I think he touched the ball three times total. And granted, two of those went one went for a touchdown and one went for a big play up the seam, but, but overall didn't really get to show much in terms of his potential as a skill position prospect. So 
Uh, it's been interesting to see what he was going to do this week and doesn't have nearly the same length and physical tools that uh, his older brother Rob does. Uh, more of a tweener, kind of an H-back. Uh, the guy I kind of think of when I watch Gronkowski play is Rhett Ellison, uh, who I think was a fourth or fifth round pick in the Minnesota Vikings. and uh, Not particularly flashy, but a valuable player, can do a lot of things. And I think Gronkowski can be really effective in that type of role. Uh, plus, he gets the job done as a blocker. So uh, I think Gronkowski kind of a – I still have him as my number one fullback, but regardless of whether you look at him as a fullback or an H-back, I, I think mid-rounds, early day three is probably where we're going to see him come off the board, and he's going to uh, fo- follow in the family business of professional football. Another guy who really opened some eyes this week, uh, especially mine was Jay Lee, the wide receiver from Baylor. And I remember when it was first announced that he got an invite to the senior bowl. It's not that he was completely off the radar, but wasn't necessarily considered to be a senior bowl level prospect necessarily. But uh, I think you have to credit Phil Savage because that was a smart invite. Lee definitely showed he belonged this week. And it's not like he was, did nothing in college this past year. He, Averaged almost 20 yards a catch. He scored eight touchdowns. It's just that he was basically the third profile receiver in that Baylor passing attack behind Corey Coleman and KD Cannon. Uh, so, so Lee kind of didn't get the attention that he might have elsewhere. But uh, the first thing that stands out about Lee is he's a big guy. He's 6'1 and 7'8, 214 pounds, and he really understands how to use that size and bulk to his advantage. And he's not a blazing fast, but he's been able to be a vertical threat because he's so aggressive. He goes up and he gets those contested balls. I always say if a wide receiver is going to have trouble separating, they better have good ball skills to make sure they win uh, those 50, 50 passes. And I think Lee does a really good job of that. So uh, Lee, I think came into the, came into the senior bowl week as uh, more of a fringe draftable prospect. I think after what he did in mobile, I think you're probably going to be looking at him as uh, I think he probably got himself drafted. I think he's going to be a day three pick now. So the arrow is definitely pointing up for Jay Lee. Another player I want to talk about for the South is Jeremy Cash, the safety from Duke. And this is another question mark I had coming into the week. Would Jeremy Cash be able to cover? Because based on the film I watched, the chances to see him operate in reverse and, and match up in coverage were few and far between. Uh, the, the Blue Devils basically used him as – uh, and in the box, downhill, almost a quasi-linebacker. Uh, so, and, and a few instances there were to see him in space and, and to kind of match up. Uh, it raised some doubts in my mind about whether he had the speed. Uh, and, and because I didn't get to see this week what Cash has been doing, I reached out to uh, a buddy, Kyle Krabs of NDTscouting.com, who's I think one of the, the uh, bright up-and-coming uh, talent evaluators in the draftnik community, uh, just to see what he saw from Cash this week. And, and he replied to me that uh, he, Cash had a clean week. He was fairly safe in coverages and whipped up on the tight ends and the running backs in the blitz and one-on-one work. So uh, we knew that he was going to do fine when it comes to being physical with those tight ends and running backs and playing at the line of scrimmage. Uh, but I, I think it's notable that, that he didn't he didn't prove to be a complete liability in coverage. And I think as long as that holds up, I think he's going to come off the board at some point on day two. I'm still a little dubious. I'm interested to see to see how he runs. I just saw some things on film there that 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 really gave me pause. But that's the great thing about this pre-draft process. We're constantly gathering information, and uh, whether it's at the scouting combine or his pro day workout, we're going to get that piece of the puzzle on Jeremy Cash. But you want to like him. He's a fun player to watch, and 
very productive, over 100 tackles in each of the past three seasons. The only big concern with him is that athleticism uh, and coverage ability uh, and, and speed, I guess, if you, you, if you will, uh, that goes along with that. So still, I think the jury's still a little bit out on Jeremy Cash, but I'm more optimistic than I was maybe a week ago. And the last player for the South that I want to talk about is Graham Glasgow, the center from Michigan, uh, a, a guy who's really been moving up draft boards. He had a terrific senior campaign under, under Jim Harbaugh. And even prior to the senior role, I had Glasgow as my third-ranked center in my initial rankings, and, and he's done nothing but solidify that grade with his performance on the All-Star circuit. Uh, had a great showing at the East-West Shrine game, and, and that's what actually in, it, uh, earned him the invite to the senior bowl and it's not that he's been dominating in mobile by any stretch of the imagination he's he's lost some battles he's lost some reps but that's nothing to be ashamed of when you look at the type of talent he's going up against in practice uh there's some really good players so you can't be expected to go to pitch a shutout but but i tell you what glasgow won his fair share of those battles too uh which which is just as impressive and uh Really has everything that teams are looking for in that position. He's got the size. He's got a large frame. Uh, he, he, he's very intelligent, which is certainly very important when you're talking about a player in the pivot, making the line calls, setting up the protections, whatnot. A good athlete, top-notch intangibles. And just to put in perspective, the center position, there's an average of less than three that come off the board in the early rounds on any given year with the NFL draft. So, for Glasgow to be amongst that top three, that's pretty rarefied error. And if he if he comes off the board in the top 100, that's really saying something. But uh, a guy who was basically off the radar completely heading into his senior campaign, now one of the top prospects at his position, maybe a, a premium draft pick. Uh, things are definitely trending up for, for Graham Glasgow. All right, let's kick it over to the north now and talk about some players that caught my eye there, uh, both on Thursday and throughout the week that I haven't talked about yet. Uh, and let's start off with Kenneth Dixon, the running back from Louisiana Tech, who's, who's quietly vying to be the top senior running back in this class. And I think Dixon made a really strong case for himself in Mobile, where I think by almost everybody's account, he was the most impressive runner in attendance. Now, that's skewed a little bit because uh, Devontae Booker from Utah wasn't able to participate due to an injury. But either way, Dixon's clearly one of the top senior runners in this class. And uh, it. Not particularly flashy. I, I think that's the first thing about Dixon is he does everything well, but nothing necessarily great. Uh, he checks all the boxes in terms of the physical tools. Not spectacular, but adequate across the board, but very productive. Ran for almost 4,500 yards and 72 touchdowns during his college career. Also pitched in 88 career receptions on the backfield. He's a really good blocker. So a terrific all-around threat at the position, and he kind of compensates for that that lack of 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 flash with by being versatile and reliable. I think coming into the Senior Bowl, I kind of had a day two, day three fringe grade on Dixon, uh, and and I, I think it's debatable as to whether he projects as more of a starter or a backup in the pros and. And some of that depends on the situation you go into and whether or not you get an opportunity. But I think Dixon did a pretty good job to make his case for the more optimistic end of the spectrum with his projection during the Senior Bowl week. Another player who I've been impressed by, not only during the Senior Bowl week, but really throughout the season was Eric Murray, the cornerback from Minnesota. And I had got a chance to see him early in the season against TCU, which was a good matchup to see because Murray was able to match up with some 
potential pro pass catchers, particularly Josh Doxson, who's going to be maybe one of the top five wideouts in this class. And I came away really impressed with Murray at that game. Uh, going into it, it was actually his teammate, Brian Body Calhoun, who had gotten higher grades from scouts, but it quickly became clear who was the better player and pro prospect. Uh, and, and it wasn't really even close. Uh, Murray looked outstanding uh, in that game. And, and really against TCU, he basically single-handedly kept the Golden Gophers uh, in that game uh, against a far superior opponent. He had an interception, a forced fumble, and at opportune times. And without those big plays from him, it would have been much more of a blowout. Uh, and I, I think Murray basically showed the type of player he is down at the Senior Bowl. Uh, he's 5'10", 3 quarters, 188 pound, 98 pounds, so pretty good size. Uh, really feisty, uh, very physical, aggressive to the point where he's probably going to have to take it back a notch in the NFL or he's going to draw a few penalty flags. But uh, I really like Eric Murray. I clearly think he's one of the top senior cover guys in this class. And I think there's a really good chance he's still going to be available on day three. But if that's the case, I think some team's going to get a really nice value and a player who's going to contribute. Maybe not as a starting corner, but at the very least as a backup corner and also offers a lot of potential on special teams. So I'm a fan of Eric Murray. Next up, Josh Garnett, offensive guard from Stanford. And I don't know that Garnett necessarily proved anything this week, but he basically confirmed what we already thought about him. He's a big, thick, physical, strong mauler. Uh, he's stout at the point of attack. He generates a lot of movement in the run game. There's just some athletic limitations there. He doesn't have great range. So the key with Garnett is going to be finding the right fit for him. He's going to have to be in a power-based scheme. And it kind of reminds me of the situation that we had coming out of college with guys like Larry Warford or Gabe Jackson. Uh, very good players, and, and nobody really disputes it, just not necessarily a fit for everyone. If you run a zone-blocking scheme, Garnett's probably going to be a lot lower on your board, maybe not even on your board at all. But uh, Garnett is a guy who's really helped himself as a senior. He won the Outland Trophy as the nation's top interior lineman. The last three winners of that award were Luke Jokel, Aaron Donald, Brand Sheriff. All were top half of the first-round picks. Garnett's not going to go nearly as high as that, but I think somewhere in day two. But um, I think his his stock, is a, his projection is a little murkier just because he's got fewer options maybe than than some other prospects, especially in this day and age where – I don't even know what the numbers is. I guess that would be a, a good research project. How many teams actually run a, a power-based blocking scheme as opposed to a zone blocking scheme? It seems like uh, that that balance has, has kind of shifted in the last 10 years or so. Next up, I want to talk about Bryce Williams, a tight end from Eastern Carolina. He's a former walk-on at Marshall and really enjoyed a, a breakout senior campaign. Uh, came in at 6'5 and 3 quarters, 260 pounds. And not really a blazer, but but he's a pretty good athlete for a guy his dimensions. I think you, you see a six guy that's almost 6'6", 260 pounds, and you think he's going to be a great blocker and really physical and, and tough, but not really that type of player. He's more of a finesse H-back option, uh, even lined up at fullback sometimes during his career, uh, but gives you the versatility. He can line up at a fullback, tight end. Uh, he lined up in the slot at times. He's got soft hands, good ball skills, which – come in handy because he does struggle to separate a little bit, but I think all of that was on display this week at the Senior Bowl. And Williams, he might not have the most upside, but I think in this crop of tight ends, which is, I think, lackluster to be putting it kindly, he's going to get his name, hear his name called earlier than he normally would. 
maybe as early as the middle rounds. So uh, Bryce Williams, he's pretty interesting if you're looking for an H-back pass catcher type. Uh, I think most years he'd probably be a mid to late day three pick. This year, probably an early day three pick. And last but not least, I want to talk about Jeff Driscoll, the quarterback from Louisiana Tech. And for those who aren't familiar with his story, a big-time recruit coming out of the prep ranks, uh, spent the first four years of his college career at Florida where the circumstances were not ideal. Uh, he, he, it was a really shaky situation. He became kind of a lightning rod for criticism. So he transferred to use his final season of eligibility at Louisiana Tech. And based on his Florida film, he's not a draftable prospect and, and really probably doesn't even get consideration, but, but came really rejuvenated, resuscitated his, his hopes for a pro career with, with a nice final campaign at Louisiana Tech, uh, Completed 62.4% of his passes. He threw 27 touchdowns compared to just eight interceptions. So uh, there's a lot to like about Driscoll. He looks the part. He's got all the physical tools that you look for. And I, I kind of made the comparison to Ryan Lindley. And what I mean by that is, like Lindley, Driscoll shows you flashes. And he gets you excited. And he shows you just enough potential to keep you on the hook. But then he inevitably lets you down with a crushing mistake that just leaves you scratching your head. So uh Driscoll is kind of a tough evaluation and and this is a stronger class of quarterback prospects than than we've seen in a few years and there's gonna be quite a bit of competition for those late round slots but I think Driscoll while he's a long shot as most late round quarterbacks are I think there's some intriguing possibility there for the future uh if he can continue to build on what he did at Louisiana Tech because there's no denying the talent uh and and if he can continue to build on that, if that wasn't an aberration, if that was just the, the, a sign of things to come, who knows what could happen. Uh, but I, I think he's going to be selected somewhere in the late rounds, and, and that's far more than, than you could have said when he wrapped up his career in Gainesville. Uh, because when he left there, I think most Gators fans probably would have told you he wasn't going to get a tryout in the CFL, uh, let alone get drafted in the NFL. But Driscoll's going to be an interesting developmental quarterback, and there's a handful of them this year, but I'll be surprised, I guess, if he doesn't get drafted, which is uh, quite a turnaround for Jeff Driscoll in the last six months or so. So with that, I think I'm going to call it a show. I want to thank everybody so much for listening and, and remind you to please be sure to subscribe to the Draft Countdown podcast to make sure you get the latest episodes as soon as they are available. And as always, there are 90 days, nine minutes, Nine hours, 11 minutes, and five seconds left until the 2016 NFL Draft. Tick-tock.